and I thank God for this wonderful opportunity He has given me. You know, it's a wonderful age, as I said, to for us to be in, and also it's a great privilege for us to be a part of the miracle of God. And uh, I'm delighted what I've heard from Brother Phillips now, how you have responded to the word of faith in coming up in faith to meet the need. You know, God does not use angels. God does not use any other means. God's method is a man. God uses men. And you are a part of that great program of God. When we are willing to do what God wants us to do, we can do anything for God. And I'm going to talk to you on the thoughts I began this morning. I was talking to you about the mountain moving faith. You know, I love, I always love to do something that will excite my own life and draw me closer to God. And I like to always be adventurous. And that's why God gave me this type of uh, life and a ministry. I always want to get excited serving God or doing something for God. And I'm grateful to God for the way that He has led me into the Word and the way that He has confirmed the Word with signs and miracles. Shall we pray? Father, once again we are delighted, we are grateful, thankful for this beautiful evening and for this lovely group of Thy people. And Lord, we are able to assemble together in Thy name. Thou art here. Now, Holy Spirit of God, Distribute thy precious word according to thy perfect will. May thy wonderful plan and purpose be carried out and achieved in our lives. And may this church, Lord, be planted in this place as a witness so that the resurrected Christ may have his way and sway and that the will of the Lord would be done. Have thy way with us. Grant thy servant the very message, the very thought, clarity. And Father, guide us by thy spirit to speak the right word. Grant thy children a listening ear receptive heart, a spirit of obedience, that they might not only be hearers, but doers of thy word, and thereby we may glorify thee and exalt thy name. Have thy way in Jesus' precious name. Amen. I talked to you this morning a little bit on the faith. You know, Jesus answering said unto them, Have the faith of God. And he said, For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever he desire when he pray, believe that he receive them, and he shall have them. Now either God's word is true, if not, it is not true. Don't get into the middle path. There is no middle path in Christianity. You find a middle path in Buddhism. Either you are in or you are out. Either it is God's word or it is a lie. Either God can do it or God cannot do it. See, we must come to a clear conclusion and have clear direction and be convinced in our own mind whether it's going to happen or whether it's not going to happen. It is no use trying to be pious and religious and put churchianity and try to drag our lives along. If it is not worth, throw it overboard, get something better and be happy about it. Just don't follow the crowd. That is one thing I never like to do and I will not do by God's grace. I want to follow Jesus and if I can't follow him, I will mind my own business and do something profitable. I want you to know, friends, it's worth to follow Jesus. It is good to trust God's word and it is good to see the work of the Lord as the Holy Spirit begins to intervene and do the impossible. 
I told you this morning. You know, God is interested in making the natural supernatural, in making the impossible possible. And God is interested in bringing something out of nothing. That's God's interest and concern, and he wants to do it. And I want you to know, when God spoke to me when I was a boy of 16 years of age, and when I was about to end my life with a bottle of acid, I had written three letters, I took that bottle, I was sitting in the botanical gardens all by myself that known, just by a river, I pulled the cork out, I was about to drink. I said to myself, there is no God. Then when I was about to drink, I thought of my father and my mother who believed in God. I said, supposing he is there. So I said, okay, I held the bottle in my hand, I looked at the clear blue sky, I said, God, I know you are not there, I don't believe you. But nevertheless, supposing you are there, I want to give you a fair chance. If you are there, I said, you meet me. And if you meet me, I don't have money, I don't have anything, no talents, but I have my life, I will turn it over to you. And I want you to know, I never prayed, but I was very sincere, and God met me. And when this miracle of salvation took place in my life, I said to the Lord, I will turn over my life to you, but I want to have a theme for my life. And I selected and chose a theme. You know what is my theme, my motto in life? My motto in life has been to re live recklessly and dangerously trusting God's word. Now that should be your motto. Don't be a sissy. God doesn't want backboneless, spineless Christians. God doesn't want, you know, people who are dragging their chin and murmuring and grumbling and grousing and who is dead wood and a drag in the kingdom of God. God wants valiant, gallant soldiers of the cross who can stand and withstand the fiery darts of the enemy. God wants men and women who can go bravely and declare the whole counsel of God. I am glad. You know, my life was adventurous because I said I want to live dangerously. I want to live recklessly, trusting the infallible, unfailing, eternal word of God. Friends, that's where the secret. I'm going to tell you how to move the mountain. Even after I tell you if you don't move the mountain, it's not my fault. It is not God's fault. It is not the word's fault. It is your fault. So remember, therefore, if you don't move the mountain, you're a sissy. You're a backboneless man. You're not worth the salt. You are not worth being a Christian. You are not you're a drag in the kingdom. Therefore, get ready. Fasten your seatbelt and get ready for a takeoff. Because this is God's time for God's people to swirl into the mountains of God's wonderful glory. And to dwell on the Beulah land. And to sit with Jesus Christ in the heavenly places. And to sing songs of redemption and victory and praise unto our God. And to worship not the God, not the Christ to walk the dust roads of Judea or on Galilee. Not that Christ of Bethlehem. But we are called to worship the resurrected Christ who broke asunder the bands of death, hell and the grave. And who ascended far above all principalities and powers. He ascended to the very throne of God. And he is crowned as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords at the right hand on the seat of authority. We are called to worship him. And we are his people. And therefore we should recognize that we must rise up to worship our God. And friends, I am going to tell you the secret. As God told me and as Sally told me. See, now this is a message that I told you I am going to tell you tonight. How I met the angel of the Lord. On flight 22, United Airlines, leaving 11 o'clock Honolulu, 
and coming to San Francisco. This is part of certain things she told me. And I fully endorsed and I fully agreed with her. And remember, some of these points were 12874 $12 Because that's what this message meant to me. I preached it in Grand Junction. And that pastor just got up and said, people God has blessed through Colton. What do you want to do for Colton? And that's all he said. And he said, ushers will take an offering. And the following morning, I came to the church and they were still counting the offering. You know what the offering was? $12,874. Why? It's worth so much, this message. It can move the mountain. I believe we can get a lot, a plot of land to build this church right out there. If you will move the mountain with me. If you will stand in faith and say, God, it can be done. I am going to be a seeker. I am going to be one of those men or women who is going to do it for Jesus. I don't care about my age. I don't care about my weakness. I don't care about myself. I, all that I care is the Christ that is in me. And he that is in me is greater than he that is in the world. And in him and through him, I can do all things. Therefore, friends, let's do it for Jesus. You know, here is a secret. It's very plain. It's right in the scripture. I told you this morning what it takes, the attitude you must have. I told you, you must have a dream, you must have a great burning desire, you must be daring, you must have confidence, you must have a beginning, you must have a spirit of expectancy, you must affirm it, then you must wait patiently and then resign to God's precious will. Now, after you have done all these things, what, you sh what should you do? Take the word of God. And I want you to know, be simple, you know, be simple as possible. Don't try to become a theologian. Don't try to make things hard. Jesus did not say, feed my giraffe. Jesus said, feed my lamb. See, so we should feed lambs and not giraffes. So remember, friends, keep it simple and let us understand the simple way how God is dealing in these days. Take the word of God. Jesus said, have the faith of God. What is the faith of God? For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain. Now the first thing is, what is your mountain? There are many mountains around here. But the point is, you must have one particular specific mountain that you want to move. People are trying to move many mountains and they can't move even a molehill. Why? They are involved in too many things. When you come to God, and you want to move a mountain, you choose the mountain first. Be convinced, this is the mountain I want to move. Be specific about it. And after you're specific about the mountain, then Jesus said, uh, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain. Now you must speak to the mountain. That sounds very stupid, you know, to speak to a mountain. But, are you prepared to be a fool for God? You know, speaking for God is foolish. Why? You don't speak out of your head. You speak out of your heart. With the heart, man believeth unto righteousness. And with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. A believing heart must have a corresponding confessing mouth. You don't confess logic. You confess the word of faith that is in your heart. 
You say unto that mountain, because the word declares it, you say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the midst of the sea. Now that's wonderful, that we can do. But then on, it says from there on, and cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but believe that those things which he shall, shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever thing, whatsoever he saith. Not only say unto this mountain, be thou removed and cast into the sea, but you should not doubt. Doubt what? Many people have swelling, high sounding words. They have a flowery language, wonderful adjectives to describe, but they don't believe a thing in what they say. You know, they just speak. They preach, they talk, they speak, they say things, but they don't believe. Oh, they say, I believe God's word, but I don't believe my word. You are a hypocrite. God wants me to believe what I say. If I say unto this mountain, be thou removed, I must believe in what I say, it will come to pass. Friends, this is the place where we break down. We say, I know God can do anything. God's word declares it. My God is able. My God will do marvelous miracles. But when I become God's mouthpiece and I speak for God and I speak in the instead of God, then I begin to shrivel up and say, My, I know God's word can do it, but I don't know whether what I say will come to pass. Friends, you say that to that mountain be thou removed because you are convinced in your heart the word of God has taken its toll. The word of God has exploded. The word of God has brought about a wonderful power, the power of faith. And when you confess in faith, you have no room to doubt. But you must believe what things soever you say will come to pass. Now that is a hard when you say and you are going to believe, it's going to come to pass. Friends, that is what God wants us to be. Men of few words, but men whose words are backed up with a consistent Christian life and with faith and power and a life that will expect it to happen. When you say, in the name of Jesus, I say unto this mountain, be thou removed. If you doubt in your heart, those words are just high sounding words only. They mean nothing. But if you say to this mountain and you back the, and you tell this mountain, be thou removed and you back it up with your whole life, invest your whole life and say, I know it's going to come to pass. You have a contender. You have somebody who's going to come back and whisper in your ears and say, Jesus can do it. Peter can do it. Paul can do it. John can do it. But you can't do it. But you say, remember old Satan. Remember old Colton. It is not I, but the Christ that liveth in me. And in Christ I can do all things. And I am the one that is going to remove this mountain for God. And God has given me the task and the privilege and the opportunity of being a partner with him in removing this mountain. And I am not going to back. I am going to see. It's nice for me to tell you miracles. But you know, it has taken time. 1957 to 1977, 
20 years. I have lost much hair. I have, you know, gone through many phases of life. 20 years it has taken for me to see certain things happen and certain things have not yet happened. But I live day by day in the spirit of expectancy. I live day by day rejoicing as if they have already taken place in my life and in my ministry. Why? I know whom I have believed. And I am persuaded that my God is able. Friends, it is here you say to the mountain and you don't doubt. You expect it. You know, sometimes I would help God to move the mountain and I get into trouble. But nevertheless, I feel I must get it out of the way. I feel, Lord, see, I must get it out of the way. It has to get out. See, because that's God's desire. That's God's will. I remember when God told me about this crippled young lady that God was going to raise. And we had a controversy. She said, I'm going to die. I said, you're going to live. You know, it took me three visits a day and nine hours. Three hours every visit. And I did that for over three and a half months. It's no joke when you have to be a pastor of a church. You have to be the super, uh, superintendent of 26 churches. You have to be a president of the Bible school. And do the other work you have. And visit nine hours, devote nine hours a day to see one young lady in the hospital. It's a sacrifice in one way. But, and it did not just one day, not one month. I think... At least four and a half months till she got the miracle, it went on. Friends, we have to be consistent. King David said, one thing have I desired and that will I seek after. You want to have that church, go and see every plot. Lay hand on every plot you can. Claim everybody. Look at every businessman. Look at every thriving business. Claim everything for God. Claim the building. Picture the building in your mind. See the vision. Work at it. Invest your dollar. Invest your life. Go about it. Talk to every realtor. God will do it. When I had to buy that land, we didn't have one cent. You know, I told some realtors to come. So they talked to my, you know, treasurer and asked about the money situation. The realtor would come and take me to some broken down hut, a small piece of land. I went about 10, 15 times. I got sick and tired. I told the realtor, don't waste my time. My time is precious, I said. I said, if you get a decent piece of land, you take me. If not, never call me. So the realtor went to my uh, treasurer and said, I'll teach your pastor a good lesson. He does not have any money, but he's talking too big. So one day he came and he took me to the former Israel embassy. moment I got off the car, I had three board members. I said, this is it. I said, that's just what I want. That's what God wants me to have. The realtor came down from his car. Uh, he said, yes, that's a nice piece of land, but you don't know the price. I said, I'm not interested in the price. I'm interested in the land. See, I'm interested in what God wants me to have, not in what it's going to cost me. Friend, don't put the cart before the horse. First find what God wants you and where God wants to locate you. What is God's will for you? And just see that and get about it. I told the realtor, don't worry about the prices. Then this realtor had the audacity to turn around and ask me, how much of money do you have in the bank? I said, sir, 
That's none of your business, I said. That's my business. I'm going to buy the land. You're not going to pay. I'm going to pay. Friends, I want you to know you must talk as God talks. You must not be guided by dollars and cents. You must not be guided by circumstances. You must not be guided by the opinions of men. You don't need the counsel of any man. We need the counsel of the Holy Spirit. We need the word of God. We need to assert our rights in the kingdom and know that we are the royalty of God. The cattle on a thousand hills still belongs to my father. The silver and the gold still belongs to him. I'm the child of a king. Though I may not have a big stature and a personality, I am royalty of God. I still have royal blood running through my veins. I told Apriel to get the owner. A jeweler, a man who sells jewelry, he told one of my board members, I'll teach the pastor lesson, and he called the owner. The owner came, he said, are you satisfied? I said, fully satisfied. I said, I have the picture of the church in my mind. I can put the church right in front and also amalgamate the whole building. He said, have you seen? I said, it's all right. I said, the realtor said, tell your price, sir, to him. So the owner turned around and said, I want $35,000. We did not have 35,000 cents in the bank. See, he wants $35,000. I looked at him. I said, sir, shall I make an offer? And my board was looking at each other, you know, when I said this. I said, sir, I will give you $30,000 for this. He looked at me strange. He said, do you really mean it? I said, I am a Christian minister. I mean everything I say. He said, sure enough, and he put his hand and we made a gentleman's agreement. He said, when will you come? I said, sir, how long will it take for you to write the deeds and to clear the money from the bank? He said, three months time, we can clear the money from the bank and write the deed. I said, in three months time, we take it. I want you to know, friends, the devil was sneering and jeering while heaven was having a revival. See, I want you to know, friends, if you say something, you believe it. I want you to know you must be the stock of God and not the stock of man or the stock of the devil. You must be able to speak forth for God. And you must be able to stand instead of God. And you must be able to declare in the face of all logic and reason and demons that you are speaking as God would speak and believe as God has believed in his word. If you believe, if you say unto this mountain, be thou removed, be thou cast in the midst of the sea, and doubt not, but have faith. And say, Lord, I know, I know. Yes, I know it's going to happen. I know. It may take time. Time is no factor. That, that doesn't alter the truth. Time does not alter anything. Time goes on whether I like it or not. But I know what God has said is going to come to pass. 20 years ago, God took me a vision. I didn't understand a thing. I didn't know. And you know, just in a, in a little island like Ceylon, to be tucked away in a little city, and God revealing some things like this, and saying, I couldn't believe. You know what Sally told me? I'll tell you where I met Sally. Remember her name is Sally. Sally told me, Colton, you remember in Bible school how all this started? I said, Sally, I was so excited. You know, I have seen two dead people come back to life. I have seen demons cast out. 
But I have never been beside myself like the time when I was with Sally on the plane. So I was just not knowing what I was doing. Sally said, you remember? I said, Sally, I don't remember anything. Please tell me. She said, you remember Colton? That morning when you had to go to the chapel to preach that message, you had that arrow shirt. That's the only shirt you possessed. And the back was so torn. You took a scissor and cut the whole back out. You had only the front portion. You put a beautiful tie. You borrowed the jacket from your colleague. And you found your shoes. Those canvas shoes. You, would, you just did not like to wear them. But they had holes. And you put a piece of cardboard. You remember that torn trouser that you done. And those socks with holes. You remember you cried. And said oh God. I have to go and preach this morning in the chapel. And here I am your servant. I don't have a decent pair of clothes to wear. And you remember when you walked to that chapel. With that attitude. The Holy Spirit came upon you. And you remember. You began to preach forth and prophesy. And you told the student body. God is going to take me around the world. I'll be preaching to thousands of people. Thousands of dollars will pass through my hands into the world. You remember all those prophecies. Then it dawned on me. And what I said that day, I believe. I said in 1950, I think it was 52, I declared to the whole body. And what happened after this big tremendous outbreak of prophecy and revival, I was taken from the revival into the office room of my principal. And the whole faculty stood there. They said, you are loud mouth. You talk so big. You don't have a decent pair of shirts, trousers to wear. And you know, I still remember they held a mirror behind me, a mirror in front of me and said, remove your jacket. I removed my jacket and I saw my bare back and tears began to stream down my eyes. I said to my principal and to my faculty with all due respect to you, I said, I don't preach the gospel looking at the jacket or looking at my shirt which I am wearing. I have something, a greater vision. I can see Jesus before me. I can see the wonderful kingdom of God before me. I said, brethren, with all due respect to you, the day will come if you are alive, you will see these prophecies fulfilled. In 1967, I went to Michigan, Lansing, Michigan, and to my principal's church, Calvary Assembly of God, Lansing. And he was my principal and superintendent. He was the pastor of the church. He introduced and he said, my boy Colton is going to preach. Holy Spirit prompted me and said, now tell that story about Bible school, but don't tell, bring your names, tell it as a story. So I got on the pulpit and I said, I want to relate to your story. I talked of a boy in Bible school and a principal and a prophecy. While I was saying, my, my superintendent was crying. You know, before I could finish, he came and he hugged me and he raised me, put me on the pulpit stand, you know, right on the pulpit. And he said, this is that boy and I am that principal. I want you to know, friend, if you believe what you say, it will come to pass because this is God's eternal word. Heaven and earth can pass away, but the word of the Lord can never pass away. Why not it happen? Because you are a covenant. That's the history. Because you don't believe. You confess faith in your mouth, but you have doubt in your heart. Friends, 
If you believe in what you say, you will say, bless God, I will wait and I will expect. I know it's going to happen. Nothing otherwise. I know what I have said is going to come to pass. I turned to my principal, I hugged him, kissed him, and I said, Brother Graves, I didn't mean to hurt you. He said, what hurt? I am rejoicing. You, are, you have been a prophet, he said. You prophesied and it has come to pass. Friends, it is not that I am a prophet. I believe what I said will come to pass and I set my life on that goal and I said I'll work towards it, I'll receive it and God is going to confirm it and God honor it. Can you see how it moves the mountain? It can happen right now in your business, in your family, in your married life, in anything what you have, it can move. In the church, it can move. God is God. There is none like unto him. There is none beside him. He is not a man that he should lie. There is no variation, nor a shadow of turning in him. He is the great I am. Ever the same. And what he has said, he will fulfill. He's God. Don't you feel like going and laying your hands on some of these big plots and claiming them right now? And saying, God, we want that church right there. See? Can't you just see those thousands of people, those beautiful houses? Brother Philip took me round. I see many homes coming. Can't you go from door to door and knock and say, God has given this home to me and these people to our place. Because we are the army of God. We are here by divine appointment. We are here because God has brought us. We have a divine plan to fulfill. We are not cumbering the ground. We are not living aimlessly. We are having a purpose. We are having a purpose to be here. And we want to accomplish. Therefore we claim it. God's going to give it. God's going to give everything what you ask. Believe it. And if you believe. Jesus said therefore. I say unto you. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire, when you pray, you believe and you receive. You believe, you receive. That's the short, sweet story about it. Don't have to preach much about it. You believe, you get it. God does it. Over again, I told Sally, Sally, I have a target. I said my meetings are all this time I said, I didn't even plan out for these meetings. It seems to me my whole program is buckled. Only one thing I had to meet you. So I said, that's the reason I kept it. I've gone home. But I said, she said, you have to come back. So I said, no, I'm not coming. We had a talk. Then she said, okay, what do you want? I said, at least. I said, I need a certain amount of money. Before I, because I have a way I can't express about needs. You know, I said, you know me. I'm not that kind, Sally. She told me, okay. God will do that. Will you believe it? I said, all right. I told her the meetings I have. I told her the thing. She said, I went to that church. I sat on that seat. I said in my heart, God, tonight is the night. I'm going to preach what Sally told me. I'm going to believe because I believe that truth. And you're going to do it. I told you how it happened. $12,000. You know, even, even if I had 20 meetings, I don't know if I could have raised that much. In one meeting, just ordinary people, just, I don't know how they came. The pastor was astonished. He hugged me and he said, Colton, I don't know. Why? I believed it. According to your faith tonight, 
it will be unto you. Friends, if you believe, God's going to do it. I told you this morning the story, and I'm going, to, I'm going to continue the story, as I said, about the healing of this girl. With the healing of this girl, I had seen the eighth person on my vision, and God spoke to me definitely and said, Son, it is time to start your final part of your vision. That's the third phase of my vision. And third phase of my vision has to do with all of Asia. I had seen in my vision... I saw a motorcade, I saw people coming to our country, I saw a big conference, I didn't understand, but it took place literally in Ceylon. All the na Asian nations, leaders, even from Africa and other areas came together. They had what they call the non-aligned conference. And with the non-aligned conference, the third world was emerging right there. And I saw what God told me in 1957 full faith. So I knew I had to get started. Because God definitely told me, son, when these things come to pass, the door is wide open. But he said, there are two things that are going to happen. Either the church will get in through the open door and the nations will be influenced by the Holy Spirit and they'll be brought into the kingdom. If not, if the church will not take the opportunity, the devil will take the open door and communism will blanket all of that area. So I felt the urgency in my heart. But I prayed. I said, Father, if you want me to do that, as these things were coming along, I said, Father, you'll have to reveal this to me clearly. But you know, God did miracle. Every Thursday night, I get up on our miracle prayer service. We have about 1,300 or 1,500 people. And I just talk, miracles take place. But I prayed and prayed. God didn't speak to me. Why? I think God wanted me to wait on him. I, but I was excited. You know why I was excited? I know the beginning of my vision and I know the end of my vision. I know where my ministry began and according to my vision, I know where my ministry will end. And I know also how God gave my, saved my life as a baby. I told you this morning, Sally explained to me that story. My mother was taken to the hospital. The doctors had asked my father to sign a form, asking. They asked him whether they want the, my father wanted the baby or the mother. Having other children in the home, my father wanted the mother. I had no chance to live. He signed the form. My mother was taken to the operating theater. And while they were getting ready to extract me from my mother's womb, my mother gathered her hands and prayed and said, Oh God, you can do a miracle. My father went out of the hospital and prayed, God, you can do a miracle. Just as they were getting ready for the operation, they rushed another lady into the same room who was crying and yelling. My mother opened her eyes. My mother saw literally the nurses dropped the instruments and the doctors who were getting ready left everything and turned over to see that lady who was rushed into the same room. Just as they turned over, God stretched forth his unseen hand and did the greatest miracle. A nine-pound baby was born without the assistance of any doctors or any instrument, and I arrived. See? And that was just on the nick of time. God was not too late. He was not too early. He was just there, and I came. So I remembered my birth. And also I know my end, see, of my ministry. And my life, maybe. So when God told me, son, get ready for a third part, humanly, I was a little reluctant. I said, father, it's too quick. I said, it has taken 20 years for all these things to come to focus. Third part, I said, I can't do it that way. Then I said, all right, 
tell me, I must resign my church, resign being superintendent, resign the Bible school. He wouldn't speak to me. Well, I battled and battled and battled. Then he said, no, I want to do a tour now around the world again. Go to these places. I said, no, father, I'm not going. That's the first time I said no to him in many years. I've always said yes. I said, I can't. I got a call to preach at a camp meeting in Oregon. I turned it down. I was called to Cleveland, Ohio for a minister's seminar. I turned it down. Then I was invited to come to the charismatic service here in San Francisco and the man came to Ceylon, Brother House. And uh, I told him, all right, I'll come. But the moment he arrived, I wrote to him and said, I am unable to come. But he wrote back quickly and called me over the telephone and said, you can't disappoint. I have advertised. You must come. And 10th of July were the meetings. 11th of July, I had to be here and I was refusing to come. I waited till the last day, 10th of July. 10th of July was a Sunday. I went to the beach and I prayed and prayed God did not answer. So on that Sunday morning, I announced to my people, I'm leaving on the 10th night or the 11th morning at 2 a.m. And I said on the 10th morning service, I will anoint the people because I don't get a chance to visit with my people. So 10th morning I preached and I anointed about 550 people and I was exhausted. So I told the people, all right, the balance I'll anoint in the evening service. Well, I had lunch with my wife and the two boys. And I, my wife wanted to be with me being the last Sunday I was going to stay with them. But I said, I must go to the beach. I had to settle something. So I went alone to the rock again, sat there, and I want to tell you I was very upset. I was very upset with God because God had helped me to secrets, you know, for 20 years. I can't talk to anybody and neither will he answer me. So I just got to that rock and I said, Lord, you have taken me for granted. I said, you are very mean to me. You answer for everybody else's prayers. But when it comes to me, you don't even bother to talk to me. I said, if I had not committed my life, I said, and if I have not given all these years, I'll take it off right now and walk on you. I said, I'm not going to tolerate this. I said, it is too long to wait. I said, I have to leave tonight. And I just poured out my heart as I would tell anyone else. You know, I just told him that I was not at all pleased with the way he was dealing with me. And well, God was just silent. You know, sometimes... The Lord allows you to stew in your own juice, you know, and he just keeps quiet looking at you. That's the way I felt. I was going through this ordeal. And after, sometimes I looked at my watch, it was 5.30. And I had to be at a service at 6 o'clock. So, I got up from the rock. I said, Father, I'm telling you now, I don't want any direction. I'm going to tell my wife, I'm leaving home tonight and not returning back. I said, that's what you want me to do, I'll do it. I'm not going to do anything, I'll just do what you say, but I'm going to tell her, whether you like it or not, this is my last trip, and I'm not coming back home. I said, I'll get up on that platform tonight, I said, tonight I'm going to have a big crowd, because all the people are going to come, they know that's my last service, I'm going to tell the people, select your own pastor, I'm not returning back. If they ask me questions, I'll say, you're responsible, and to ask you. I said, I'm finished with the whole thing. I'm going to do it. And I got up in haste to go to my car. Just then, the Lord spoke to me. 
see, it's never too late. You know, sometimes you get half. You know, what I can't understand is how God loves, in spite of all that, in spite of all our weaknesses, in spite of all our haughtiness and shortcomings, still He loves us. He spoke to me so gently, you know, so lovingly. He said, go and tell your wife that you are coming back and you have more to do here. You'll be back home. I'm taking you on this trip. Tell your church people that the Lord is going to bless them. And when you are away, that God will minister to them and God will undertake for them and tell them you are coming back and they have a great future in God. I said, that's wonderful, Father, but what about my trip now? I have to go. He said, you go, I'll bless you. But I said, I waited. You didn't, if you told me, I said, a few months ago, I could have arranged these things quietly. I said, you wait for the last minute and you tell me just, I said, I go for the service. I'll finish the service at least by 10 o'clock by the time I talk to the people. 11 o'clock, I have to drive. 2 o'clock, my plane takes off. I said, you are just treating me like dirt. I said, you don't understand. I have to arrange so many things. And then he turned to me, you know, it's just like the father. You know how an earthly father would say, he said, don't worry, I'm in control. You're not in control. He said, do you know, sometimes you get carried away. Sometimes when you get on a plane, you know, you can't come down. I have been sometimes on the plane rounding because of the fog and the snow. They sometimes are not able to come right down. And God has told me, when you are lost somewhere, you think you are lost, don't worry, you are not. You are always on my radar, he said. You know that you are on God's radar, you might be lost somewhere. Don't worry, God has you on radar. He sees you where you are. He has numbered the very hairs of your head. He is touched with the feelings of your infirmity. He is mindful about you. He has you right in focus there. You think you are lost, you are not lost. He said, I have you in focus. I said, Father, what do you mean? He said, you're going on a special mission. I said, what? You're going to meet a lady. And that lady is going to explain to you the third part of the vision which you don't understand. I said, Father, that's very funny. I said, on a trip like this, I'll meet many ladies, not one. So how do you expect me to know which lady? He said, don't worry. I'll tell you the name. Now that's something wonderful, you know, for me to hear. I said, Father, that's just wonderful. Please tell me the name. The father then told me, her name is Sally Xavier. So I heard, I said, is that right, Father, Sally Xavier? Then I said, now, there are many saviors. How will I know? I said, will you please spell it for me? So he spelled it for me. He said, S-A-L-L-E-Y. And he said, this Xavier is spelled differently. Z-E-V-I-O-U-R. I said, thank you, that's just fine. When I meet her, I'm going to verify this. See, what savior she is. So I thank her. She said, all right, you go. Tell your congregation. Don't give them any excitement because before that, I had preached every week. Telling them, God gives a man a vision, but God removes the man. Then ultimately, I, every time I drop hot bricks on the congregation, they would turn to my poor wife, and my wife knew nothing about it. And ultimately, I preached Moses' day. And that day, everybody was excited. They asked my wife, is the pastor going to die, or what is, what is going to happen to him? And my wife did not know what to answer. And I came back. God told me, tell the people that you're going to meet a special person. I'm sending on a mission to meet Sally Savior. 
So I came, I told my wife that I'm coming back. I came on the pulpit, preached. I told friends, I have news for you. I'm coming back. Oh, you should have seen the people. They just broke loose. And then I told them, you know, I'm going on a mission. I'm going to meet Sally Xavier. And I said, when I meet her, I'll send you a cable so that you will know I met her. And I said, I'm very happy to leave you. And, you know, they were so happy. At 2 a.m., I think about three busloads were at the airport to see me off. They were so glad that I was coming back to them. Anyway, I came. And I, I never have come on a journey like that. I got at 2 a.m. I went, was flying the whole night, flying the whole day, the following day. But on Monday, 2 a.m., I left after flying one night and one whole day. On the same Monday, the 11th, I arrived at San Francisco at 10 a.m. So you can understand what a jet lag I had. So I went to Hawaii Monday morning. They met me, took me to the evening service, had a grand service at the at Brother Sapp's church. And Tuesday morning, they told me there's a full gospel businessman luncheon and asked me to preach. So I went and preached for them. So Tuesday evening, Tuesday we, he took me around and showed me a little bit of Hawaii and then brought me to the plane at 10 o'clock. The plane was to leave at 11. So I went to the counter, gave my ticket and I said, I want a seat. They said, the plane is almost full. I said, then only give me a seat where there is no smoking area, I said. Well, I picked up my things and I went into the plane. It was a 747, a big jumbo jet. I walked and I found that... There were three seats near the window. At the window, there was a young lady seated. The middle seat was free and my seat was on the aisle. So I went and before I took the seat, I looked at the young lady, smiled and I said hi to her. She was very peculiar. She didn't smile. She said hi, but looked down. So I sat, fastened my belt and I want to talk to her. You know, I want to be nice to her. I turned around, smiled and I asked her something. She just looked glum, you know, and I was embarrassed. I thought I was hurting her. Quickly, I picked up the magazine from the seat pocket and began to glance at the magazine. About 10 minutes before the flight took off, the air hostess came down and talked to this young lady and said, Are you sick? She wouldn't answer. Are you medicated? She wouldn't answer. Have you taken drugs? She would not answer a word. Then she went back and got hold of the man with the red coat, he's a welfare officer, brought him. And they both began to talk to the young lady. She would not talk to them. Then they took the young lady out of the plane. And they took her out. And after some time, the air hostess and the welfare officer came in. So I asked the air hostess, where is the young lady? She said, she's too sick to go on the flight. We are leaving her behind. I said, thank God. I said, I have two more seats. I can sleep tonight. Tomorrow morning, I'll speak at a minister's seminar. So, I quickly grabbed the blanket and the pillows and kept them all ready. Well, the plane took off and it leveled. And then, the seatbelt sign went off. When it went off, I pulled the seatbelt sign out and I tried to lift up those armrests, you know, in order to make the three seats into one seat for me to sleep. When I was trying to lift the, uh, the armrest, somebody walked. I heard the footsteps 
came and stood by me and suddenly spoke to me and said, can I sit next to you? Oh, I said in my heart, haha, there goes my seat. I won't be able to sleep. You know, anyway, I didn't want to be rude. I knew it was a lady. I looked up and I said, yes, I said, you can sit. But where is your seat? I want to make sure that she had a seat, that she'll go back. She never answered my question, you know. She said, I want to sit next to you and talk to you. That was a very strange, unknown lady. Anyway, I didn't want to be rude. I just said, oh, yes, you can sit. And I turned my legs onto the side and my body for her to cross me. She suddenly patted me on the back. And I'll tell you, my wife Susan saw that no more world trip for me again. See? And she patted me, this unknown lady patted me on the back. And I looked up, you know. And then she said, You are Colton, and uh, you are Colton. No, I forget the very word. She said, Are you Colton, aren't you Colton? She said, I looked at her. Very strange. She said, Are you Colton? I looked at her. And I said, yes, I am Colton. She smiled and she said, I am Sally Savior. And friends, I'll tell you, I did not know what went through me. I said, yes, Sally, take a seat. She walked over, she sat. I'm going to tell you certain things what she told me, certain things I can't tell you. Maybe some other time I will tell you. She sat next to me. She said, Colton, take all those blankets and the pillows, get me. I will put on the last seat because no one should sit here. I gave her the blankets. You know, I didn't know what, what I was doing, but I gave her the blankets and the pillows. She put it. She sat next in the middle seat. She said, Colton, you were searching for me. I said, sure, I was searching for you. Then she said, I was searching for you too. She said, you know how God put it together? This meeting was not in your itinerary. I said, yes, this was not in my itinerary. He said, God put it together. I said, why? You know, Colton, we are going to have the best time undisturbed. You and I will be able to talk for five hours on this place. In a matter of minutes, all these people are going to sleep. And both of us are going to have a quiet time to talk together. I said, yes. I said, that's true. Then she said, when we start talking, you will be having some emotional upsets. And therefore, I want to tell you something. I am your sister. Because God told you that you'll meet me. And you're my brother. Therefore, don't call me Sally. Call me sister. I'll call you brother. So that nobody will misunderstand our conversation here. Just then the air hostess walked up and offered Sally a snack. Sally turned to the air hostess and said, I don't need a snack. Give my brother a snack. What snack? I was all beside myself by this time. I told the air hostess, I don't need any snack. I said, get, get my sister and myself, I said, two Cokes. Then Sally turned to the air hostess and said, get my brother a Coke, but get me a bubble up. Well, their hostess went and brought the bubble up and the coke and we began to sit there. And then she said, Colton, it was very wrong for you to have talked to the Lord the way you talked to him at the beach. And you just 
You really laid it low on the Lord, she said. And she began to relate to me all what I told the Lord. And then she said, let's get down to business. And you know, friends, she got down to business. She began to talk to me about my birth. No, very few people know about my birth. I told you how my mother was taken to the hospital. How in a matter of minutes I would have been all gone. I would not here, here to tell you the story. But how God saved me at birth. And then she began to come down the line. You know there are some things in my life nobody knows. My son does not know. My wife does not know. Even my parents does not know. Only I know. But I shared with brother and sister Phillips last night. I see thing in my own personal life. It's not the same. Don't get me wrong. A deformity which I bear in my body. And I only knew how it happened. Sally relates to me just perfectly. As if she viewed the whole thing. She tells me all the details. And she gives me the reason why it happened. God did something in my life I never understood. But I've learned to accept it. Though I had a lot of questions. She brought it out. She gave me the reasons why God did that for me. When these things were happening, I said to myself in my heart, I'm sure something is happening to me. Am I going off my mind? Am I becoming psychic? Am I getting beside myself? Am I beginning to see things? Moment I began to think, she pat patted me on my leg and she said, Now it's a shame on you. You are thinking whether you're beside yourself, you are thinking whether you're going off your mind. When God distinctly told you that you're going to meet me and you come by divine appointment and you're thinking this way. You know, what can you say? I said, yes, Sally, I'm sorry. I said, that's true. I know it's by divine appointment. Well, she began to talk all these things and brought me to Bible school. Talk to me the things that happened which I never understood. I had preached many years in the school. School of the Spirit, I teach the school of misunderstanding. But there are many areas I never understood. She began to explain to me. And from there on, cutting a story short, I don't want to keep you too long. She began to tell me many, many, many things that were of great interest and importance to my life, which I have forgotten, which I did never remember. She explained. From there on, she brought me right through. Many things had happened in my life which I had no answers. She began to give me the answers. She brought me to my vision from there. And I'll tell you, nobody else knows that vision, the details. There's only one person I have met on earth who knows all the details and that's Sally. Nobody knows. Because God held me in secret and told me not to talk and I kept it to myself. She began to relate everything, open every chapter. And details which I had forgotten, which I even didn't recognize, she brought them out and gave me reasons. And then she sat back and she gave me the names of the people, the 21 people and the 8 people. Even mentioned your pastor's name, Brother Phillips. See, mention all the names. I told him some things that Sally told me and there are some things more that Sally has told me concerning this church. I told Brother Phillips one or two, one or two things. But there are more things she talked talk to me of many people. Friends, 
I want you to know I'm not promoting visions and dreams. I, I preach against them, to be honest. But I can't help God gave this to me. And it's falling in line. She talked to me. She told me details. She told me about the things that are happening, that are do happen. She gave me certain interpretations of scripture, you know. And one thing I was told, and I won't tell you. One thing about the coming of the Lord. She said, Jesus Christ is at the door. And the Father is all ready to send his son back. He said, all the scripture, the prophecies are almost fulfilled to the very last. And the coming of the Lord must take place right now. But she said, God is withholding his son. Why? She said, because the church has failed. She says the church has failed in two ways. One, to prepare herself. Second, to be the mouthpiece for God in pro proclaiming the wonderful, glorious gospel to the ends of the earth. And then she said, you know, Colton, God is suffering now more than when his son was upon that cross. I said, why, Sally? She said, do you know, this is the period of God's long suffering. Why? He is not willing that any should perish. It is costing him more. He said, Colton, if you understand the heart of God, it bleeds. Why? The church is failing. Friends, I want you to realize, and she gave me a warning. I'm telling you what she told me. She said, warn God's people everywhere and tell them to be innocent of this one great crime that they are committing. And these are her very words. She said, tell my people not to assassinate the character of the man of God. Not to assassinate the character of the man of God. She said, nobody has a right to judge God's servants. And to condemn and to assassinate their character. He says, the, she, she quoted scriptures, he said, vengeance belongs to God. And she said, tell the people not to touch God's anointed and to do no harm to the prophets of God. I am only conveying it to you. I am not accusing you. I am conveying it to you. She told me this is one of the greatest crimes that the devil is committing through the church today. To hamper and to hinder and to destroy men whom God has called and God has given a vision and God has burdened and God has anointed. And he said, tell the people not to respect the man, but to respect the anointing of God upon the man. And because of the anointing, the man is given an office that people of God must learn to respect the anointing and the office of the servant of God. I won't be guilty of this offense where your church is concerned. I've told you what Sally said. Friends, you are, not, you are wonderful people. I told Brother Philip, I've enjoyed the best spirit, but I'm warning you. This can happen. Sally told me the greatest trick that the devil is using is God's people today. What? To assassinate the character of God's servant and then to ridicule God's man and to press him so much that he has
pressed out of God's plan. And thereby, the devil gets the church into a rut and keeps them marching right round. And there is no progress. And who is wounded? The heart of God is bleeding. Why? His son must come. And the church has failed. Church is not ready because she is not a pure, chaste virgin. And also church has failed in its function of reaching the world with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now she told me that definitely. And I tell it with all humility of heart. Let us not be guilty of that offense. Any day, any of your pastors would do a wrong. Leave it in the hands of God. Because they are anointed of God. You know, I told my people before I came. I said, if anything happens to me, even if you catch me in murder or adultery, don't touch me. Commit me to God and commit me to the brotherhood and ask them, but don't touch me. You know why? It will hurt you. Friends, God wants us to move on. And then, Sally began telling me many details, things about Asia. Many detailed things around the world. That 21 people and the 8 people are in key positions in the world today. And she told me why God has placed them there. She gave me the reason. She told me the unfolding. Then I came to a place when she unfolded the last portion of my vision. I turned to Sally and I said, all right, Sally, one request. I said, you said you are my sister. I said, no one on earth knows anything other than what, other than what I know and you know about my vision. I said, you have told me something I have told I can't do to God. I said, I want to. But I'll make a request. I said, you come with me too. Let, I'll take you to Ceylon. I'll introduce you to my wife. My wife, you and I. I said, we'll get together. We'll go to Asia and I'll do this program with you. She turned to me. I can't tell you details about this. This one part I can't tell you all. She turned to me. She said, Colton, all what God told me was to convey this message to you. But he never told me to come and work with you. By this time, I was broken. I began to sob loud. I began to cry. I didn't realize I'd fallen on her shoulders and I was crying. She said, yes, Colton, God wants you to do this. Cry on. She said, don't bottle up anything. 20 years you have held it. Cry. I was crying and complaining. She was answering. For about 10, 15 minutes, I was doing this. Suddenly, I got jerked up. I realized, my, this unknown lady, I have wet all her, you know, clothes with my tears. I pulled out my hanky. She said, don't wipe. She said, this will be a remembrance of what God is going to do and what God has done. Well, she began to encourage me. One thing, she never made an apology for any of what, anything what she said. She never withdrew any of her statement. Every time she brought me right round to believe and to accept what she said. What she said, she backed up with scripture. What she said were parts of my vision. I could not help but accept it. Ultimately, you know, when we were going through like that, then I said, Sally, all right, give me your address. I said, I won't write to you. She said, Colton, you're going as far as San Francisco. I said, yes. This plane proceeds to New York. I said, that's right. She said, I proceed on. So I said, that's not an answer to my question. She said, that's the answer. He said, I said, I will ask your address. She said, I know. You ask my address. You want to say, you send me your photograph and you want my photograph. She said, take a good look at me right now. 
I'll take a good look at you. That's our photograph, she said. Well, she cut me off right there. Then I said, Sally, I can't do this. I don't know how it's going to work. Because in the details of it, which I can't tell you right now. And then she told me, Colton, don't worry. God's going to put this together to prove to you. God told you he'll give you a bonus. And I'll meet you and I'll tell you some things. Here's the bonus, she said. He said, things are going to happen. I'll tell you certain things right now. She said, all right, uh, when you're going now, tomorrow morning to a minister's meeting. I said, how did you know that? That I'm going to a minister's meeting tomorrow morning. How did you come to know that, I asked her. She said, God told you that I'll meet you. I said, I said, all right, what do you have to say? You know, about the minister's meeting, they have a problem. And she gave me the problem. I said, how do you know the problem? Why didn't God tell you that I'll meet you? He said, here's the answer. She gave me the answer. She said, now you're not invited to speak there. You'll be seated. But when they speak and when they don't have the answer, you just tell them, may I say a word here? They'll say, okay, Brother Colton, speak up. Then you give the answer to them. I said, okay, if that happens, I will do it. Then she said, in two days time, uh, on Monday, you'll be here for two hours on television. I said, I'm not going, Brother Paul Crouch, Channel 40 invited, I'm not going, I said. He said, I'm not telling you to go to Channel 40, to Southern California, you will be in San Francisco. I said, Sally, that's a mistake, I said. I don't know anybody in San Francisco. And I'll never be on TV. She said, no, no, on Monday, you'll be two hours on TV. They'll tell you at one point when you're two hours, unburden your heart, immediately speak out about the vision of Asia. I said, okay, if that happens, I'll do that also. If I get the two hours, and if they ask me, I'll tell them. Then she said, you'll be on Sunday service in San Jose. I said, how do you know that? Oh, God told you I'll meet you. I said, yes, I'll be. You'll preach. Preach it. And when you come to the end of the service, say, you'll find the anointing of the Holy Spirit resting. You'll get the word of wisdom and knowledge operating. Stop there. Don't do it. Call the young minister there and say, brother, close this service. And I will use it. And if you do that, she said, I know what you are going to get out of that offering, but you are going to get more than double. And told me the amount. I don't want to tell you the amount. That's the immaterial. Told me the amount. I said, if that happens, I'll do that also. See, I told her. Then she told me, I'll, when you go out of this plane, you're going to have invitation." I said, to come back. I said, I'm not coming back. You can be sure. She said, no, you have to. Okay, I said, after, after maybe a year, I'll come. She said, no, you'll have to come in January. I said, Sally, that's a mistake. She said, no, when you go, there's invitation, pick it up. You immediately say you're coming. Obey God. Well, what can you do? I said, I knew there was no invitation. If there is, I said, I will. Then... She gave me lots of little things like that. Then she, I said about the money that I told you. She said, all right, preach this sermon. I'm not a preacher, she said, but I'll give you some suggestions. She gave me some suggestions to preach. And she said, you will get an offering that will meet the need for you to come back. I said, all right. And then she said, there are certain people who are going to come, who will come to see you. Told me the name of a person who will come and ask me. I'm not going to repeat the name and embarrass anybody. Told me the name of a person who come and ask me to have a minister's seminar and a crusade. Told me the amount 
to tell that man when he comes to see me how much of money I will need. I said, Sally, that man will refuse to come if I say that. He said, you just say this. It will all work out. And that man walked into Brother Phillips' house. Before I came, he had phoned Brother Philip. Walked that morning. I didn't know who he was. Didn't talk for about 10-15 minutes. He agreed. He said, Brother Colton, I have the fullest confidence in you. Though I not met you. You go ahead and arrange it. I will pray and get the money. I'll tell you, friend, I've never had the experience in all of my life. When I came, when the plane touched down, St. Francisco, while it was touching down, she said, one request I want to make of you. I said, what is it, Sally? She said, Colton, you can stay and talk and do anything as long as you want. But when you walk out of the plane, when you walk to the door, will you promise me that you won't look back? I ignored her, you know, I, I bypassed and talked something else. Well, I began to talk. We came, we sat there, we were talking. Everybody had gone onto the plane, but we were both there still talking. Then she said, Colton, now we are coming to the end. I want to know about my request. When you walk out of those doors, will you promise me you won't look back? I said, Sally, don't be unreasonable. After all, we have had a short time. She said, now I'm asking one request. Will you do it? Well, it was to be done. I always gave in to, I, ne I had never given in to ladies, but this is the first time I ever gave in, you know. I said, okay, we'll have it your way. I said, if you want it that way, I'll do it. Then she said, when we came to part, she said, you know, in your sermons, you've quoted one scripture, two scriptures always. I had forgotten. I said, you repeat it. She said, you always used to quote the scripture. I will never leave you, nor forsake you. Lo, I am is with you always, even unto the end of the age. I said, yes, I remember. She said, you know what you have done? I said, what? I have quoted scripture. No, she said. You have affirmed and confirmed the covenant relationship with God. What is it, I said? The word I am is a covenant name of God, she said. When Moses went to deliver Israel, God, he told God, when the people asked me who sent you, what shall I say? God told Moses, tell the great I am accent. He said, I want to give you my blessings and my last greeting and parting words would be to affirm and to confirm this to you. Well, we talked, talked for a long time and I knew the time was up to leave because 45 minutes, the plane would be on the ground. I think we were about 15 or 20 minutes, people were cleaning the plane, also by that time we were still talking. I said, Sally, I hate, but I want to make a request, will you come with me to the church where I am? I'll bring you back in the evening for a plane. She said, Coach, and I told you, you can do anything now, but beyond this point, nothing can be done. You can talk. So I said, we had to leave. She said, I understand. Well, we just hugged each other, we greeted each other. I said, Sally, God bless you. I said, I want to meet you again. She said, no, you'll never meet me again. I said, that's very funny. I said, you are sure I can't meet you? She said, no. And if God wants, she said, sure, if God tells me to come and meet you, I will come. See, then she, when I said, God bless you, she told me, the great I am be with you always. And that was a greeting to me. And we parted company. I walked out of that plane. I came to the door. I was tempted to look back, but I had given my word. I walked out of the doors of that plane without looking back. 
friends, maybe next time if God permits me to come and if God gives me the green signal, I might tell you something which makes me to believe that she is an angel of the Lord. She told me about some people whom I had met some problems. I told Pastor and Sister Phillips yesterday, I can't share those things with you because I'm told not to share. I came and took a long distance call to this man. I told him his problem. He almost, I could feel, he was shivering all the phone. He said, who told you? Who told you? My, nobody knows it. I said, now listen, brother, I'm not accusing you. All what you have is a guilt complex. You're not guilty of the offense. God is crying you. And to find that the statement was just exactly as Sally said. Friends, I'll tell you, God had a purpose. One thing I know, why God did this for me. I could have not gone through what I have to go through. Because it is humanly impossible. But I have said yes to the Lord. I had the greatest offer on this trip than I have ever had in my whole life. I have turned it down. Why? I said to myself, I would rather sleep on a bank of a river or on the seashore of those islands or in parts of Asia and cry and pray to God to bring that revival rather than be out of that place. That's my desire. That's my ambition. And I want you to know I never told this to Brother Phillips. He's your pastor. And I tell you, this is going to be the key place that God's going to work out the plan. But I know of. And that's why I'm interested that you have the biggest church here. That's why I told you not to assassinate any day, even if injustice is done to you. Don't assassinate the character of God's servant. Touch not the Lord's anointed. Do his prophets no harm. And I want to tell you, you are a part of a miracle that you cannot even dream or think about. You are going to see things that will astonish you and you will, you will be amazed. God is going to do certain things in your generation before your eyes. Things which you have never expected. Things which you have never dreamt. Things which you have never seen. God is still on the throne. His kingdom is above the kingdoms of men. He still rules. And his rule is a rule of righteousness and power and authority. No man, no power on earth, no power in hell, no power, on, no power in the universe can ever work against the plan and the purpose of God. And the gates of hell will never prevail against the strategy of the gates of the kingdom of heaven. And when the Lord had begun to build, he was going to complete it. He says, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I want you to know you are a part of a world program. You are not just tucked away in one part of this great nation of the United States. You are a part, a vital part of a plan of God that will bring forth results around the world. You will have the privilege of seeing in the kingdom of heaven people brought in because you have been faithful in this local church. I want you to know you are going to have your hand extended to the corners of this earth. You are going to be a part of the wonderful plan of God's last message held around the world and the church of Jesus Christ coming alive to meet the bridegroom as he steps down and that very soon. Therefore, my friend, invest your life, invest all what you have in the kingdom of heaven. Love not your life unto death. If the Lord calls you to sacrifice everything, sacrifice all for Jesus. It is worth it all. I told Sally, my heart is not too good, I said. But Sally, I said, I'll preach my till I fall 
drop down dead. I'll shout the gospel. I'll tell the people. I'll warn the people. I'll exhort the people. I'll encourage the people. I'll go forth in the name of Jesus because the coming of the Lord is at hand. My friend, you don't have time to plan for a future. Jesus is coming soon. The days are approaching and the hour is now and today is the day and now is God's time. Invest your life in the kingdom of heaven. If we don't do it now, Satan is going to march. Satan and communism is going to take and we must take the place for God and it is by faith. It is not by might nor by power but by my spirit said the Lord. God hath anointed and God hath given unto you power and authority over all the power of the enemy and nothing by any means is going to hurt you. We have a great God. With him all things are possible. He is going to do it. He is going to accomplish it. That's why I told the Spirit we must get a big church here. Moving for God. He's going, I'll tell you one thing, I feel free in my spirit now to tell you, God's going to take him around the world. And I want you to know, when he gets around the world, God has given him some fine men like Pastor Atkins and the other pastors I, and the other staff. But I want you to know, God has kept him to be your leader. God has given him a vision. That vision, these men are going to execute together. And you'll be a part of the miracle of God. I may come, I may never come back. I thought this is my last trip. There will be a day I might walk out of home and never return home. So what more can I tell you? But even if I come or not, but I have a feeling God going to let me come many more trips before that. Because I have a strong feeling in my heart after I spoke to Sally. But whether I come or not, you'll be a part of God's miracle. Friends, you are here by divine planning. A divine program is unfolding. God is bringing all this thing together. And today is a glorious day. A wonderful day. Don't get sunken in despair. Don't get sunken in your discouragement. Rise up. Lift up your eyes. Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints to reach and to receive his church. Oh, it's a glorious church without spot or wrinkle. Blessed be the name of the Lord. We are a part of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we have a commission. We have a work to do for Jesus. I'm going to be right there in Asia, but I'm going to come back. There will be people in other parts of the world. God's going to bring all these people together. Oh God, the Holy Spirit is igniting the fire in every corner of the world. And the great bonfire is about to burst. That's why the old devil is nearing and growling. He knows his days are numbered. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He's a defeated foe. The children of the Lord have a right to shout and sing. For the way is growing bright and our souls are on the wing. We are going by and by to the palace of the king. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Oh friends, we are marching to Zion. We are on the march now. Get on the wagon. Do all what you can for Jesus. Let us do it now. You will never have another day. Somebody told me the other day, Brother Colton, if I God spares my life, and if I get time, I want to invest one million dollars in you for Asia. I said, brother, burn that money. Not, I didn't speak haughtily, proudly. I said, burn that money. I said, God doesn't want that one million dollars then. God wants a hundred dollars now. That's what God wants. That hundred dollars now, your one million then will be worthless. I said, invest your life, brother, now. I said, told him. It is now. Today is the day. Now is the time. While I speak, thousands are passing into eternity. Bound by heathenism. Bound by demons. Bound by all fetish 
and fetters of the enemy while we are speaking here. And if you invest your life now, millions are going to come into the kingdom. Why? God loveth your cheerful consecration and your sacrifice and your giving of yourself unto him. We have a good God, friends. Oh, with him all things are possible. He says, him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast down. Got any mountains? We can push them tonight to the sea. Let's push it. I believe, I believe you must have the biggest church here. Not in number and a big building. I mean the biggest church with the power of the living God. Moving forth for God. And God's going to accomplish it. Let's bow our heads in prayer as we pray and seek the Lord at this time and reach unto Jesus, friends. Brother Philip is going to come now and lead us in prayer. Friends, reach unto Jesus. I want to reach unto God and touch Him in faith, knowing that He is able to do exceeding abundantly. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Let's everybody stand. There's a very, very real sense of God's presence here. If you could have sat with us last night until almost midnight, as Colton ministered to Love and I, he's only been able to just give you just a peek. There was such a powerful witness in my own soul, not because Colton said it, not because he brought a message from somebody he met on a plane, but because everything he said coincided with what God dealt with us about when we were gone to the Holy Land and to Europe and we talked about it at night. And then when I got back and I picked up the Bible and I read the second chapter of Haggai and there the prophet was saying to Israel and the Lord said to me, you can take that and make it yours and make it personal without doing violence to it. The same principle applies. And if you read that chapter, this the anointing of God was to come the glory of the house that was to be built. The house of God was to be greater than the first. The second was to be greater than the first. The, the, the dominion, the power, the scope of everything that was to be done was to be expanded. I mentioned it here one Sunday morning. And there was a tremendous quickening of God's power and God's grace. The thing I've been praying for, for weeks and months, and I've been talking to my wife, I've been talking to Pastor Atkins, I've been talking to Peggy, I've been talking to those who've been close to me, and I've been saying, the thing I've got to know is the priorities the Lord has ordered. There's no rebellion in my heart. I want to do what God wants me to do. The only thing that is missing, I need to know what comes first and what is uppermost in the mind of God. And how God is going to put it all together. Thank God tonight I can stand here all six foot two, two hundred pound of me and tell you straight on without batting an eye. I know what the priorities are. I've got the green light from heaven. I know what the king's marching orders are. It's all over. The battle is over. They all this two long years of agony and searching and reaching and trying and desperately searching for that that pattern that track for me to put the rest of my life on that's over 
Praise God. I know, I know the mind of God, and I know the command of the Spirit, and I feel it deep in my soul. I feel a mighty new anointing. I feel like God has cleared the runway for a takeoff. Hallelujah. I really do. And you know what I want? I want all of you who are close to me, all of you who have been part of praying for me and loving me and helping me and even feeding me during this time and sustaining me, I want you to come and stand as close to me as you can while we make a commitment to God that we'll just get on with the task. We're going to sing as we come. I want all of you to come. Yes, you can come with them. We won't exclude you at all. But I want you to come and stand just as close as you can because we're going to make a commitment, not for me, but together. Praise God.